All right, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Thank you, Pastor Amy. Man, was that good worship. Acts chapter 2. Today is a Life Group Launch 2019, and today's message is simply titled, The Original. The Original. Don't it feel good in here? I love it. So good. Familiar uh, scripture gives us the foundation of the church when it, uh, how God designed it to be. And so let's just read it together. Uh, chapter 2, starting with verse 42. They, the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your uh, simple instructions on your design for the church, for your body, for your believers, what we should do, what we should say, what we should be even. God, that together that we would stand up and be the fullness of Christ on display for the world to see your love, your power, and your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in Acts, we see the actions, we see the prayers that were very specific to the foundation and the continued growth of the church. This was the original design of the church. And we need to pattern our lives and our ministries after this original, not the watered-down, disjointed version of the culture of today. It says that all the believers, all the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to communion, to prayer and fasting, and to giving. And so I'm going to take the next few minutes and just break those down, and then I'm going to give you more application into the life groups that we're going to be launching today. In Joshua chapter 1, it talked about that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And in Joshua chapter 1, we see the Lord giving instructions to Joshua. If you've got a really good Bible, it's page 180. Moses, their leader, right? The one that came in Pharaoh and let my people go and there they go and out toward the promised land is now dead. I like how 
simple God put that. Now that my servant Moses is dead, Joshua, it's time for you to take over. And so the Lord commands Joshua, and he gives him some instruction. I love it over and over again. He repeats the same phrase, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And we pick it up, uh, let's say verse 5. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Which is the same promise Jesus gave to us before he left. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you always to the very ends of the ages. Then he said in verse 6, Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Anybody want to be prosperous and successful? No, I dream about being poor, penniless, and no, come on. We all want to be prosperous and successful. And not in the prideful, arrogant way that look at me, look what I have, and look what you don't have, you know, the haves and the have-nots, you know. But, you know, the Lord wants to bless us, and it says in the New Testament, so that we can be a blessing. You know, it's hard to help meet somebody's need when you're so needy, you just need. He wants us to be prosperous. He wants us to be successful. Not so that we can just suck it in, sit around, and become fat and lazy. It's because we can do more. <laughs> we can help more, right? So it's not a prideful thing. It's not an arrogant thing. It's not all a money thing. It's to be a blessing. But he says, you want to know how to be a blessing? You want to know how to be prosperous? How to be successful? Right here. It's all contained right here. It's all contained in the Word of God. Don't let this Word depart from you. And the early believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Said that they met every day in the temple courts. Why? Because they didn't have this. They didn't have the written Word in Bible format so that they could take it home and read for themselves. They had to go every day to get the Word to then be able to go, and now let's talk about it, let's meditate about it, let's teach it, let's train it. I think convenience with uh, Bibles being in our hands, on our phones, you know, everywhere we turn, we've separated ourselves from that need to get. You know, we need to come together to eat of the Word together. To then be able to take it and meditate on it, and because why? We can just turn to it. I mean... How often do you Google scripture? Yeah, right? You don't have to memorize it anymore. Why? I don't, Google knows, right? I seriously was thinking about that. As I'm putting this message together, 
I was sitting at Bigby, so I've got my iPad, I'm typing into Evernote, I've got my cell phone just because it's easier to just have my cell phone open so I can, you know, search things as I'm typing in, and I'm going back and forth, back and forth, and I'm like, I don't even have to memorize one scripture anymore, because it's like, oh, I remember part of that, oh yeah, I'll just Google it. We're back in the early church. They had to listen with such intention. You know, I'm in, I have to be uh, diligent <laughs> to listen and not playing around with my snack or playing around with this or whispering to my neighbor or yawning or sleeping or nothing. I ha Why? Because this is the only place I can get this word. And now when I go back, you know, I'm going to have all day. And this word... Uh, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to hearing the word. That the, it's taking it in like, um, like a cow. Sorry, would chew a cud, swallow it. It's got what four stomachs. Bring it back up again. Gross. But chew it some more. Swallow it. Bring it back up again. Uh, really, to get all the nourishment out of it. But see, our convenience has led to, uh, I'll look at it. If I don't understand it, I'll just keep reading. Or I'll search somebody else's study and over it. And I'll look at their commentaries and, you know, their study helps. And I'll Google it, you know, instead of just asking, Holy Spirit, you're with me right now. What are you trying to say right here? Chew on it. Ponder on it. You hear me tell you all the time, slow down in your reading. When you, you know, it's wonderful. If you can read through the Bible in a year because you do so many chapters of this and so many chapters of this, great. As long as you're hearing, understanding, you're reading to know, and then you're doing it. You know, you're responsible for what you hear. You're responsible for your, what you know. You'll be held accountable for what you know. It says if you know to do good and don't do it, it's sin. So I'm not telling you, fine, that I'm just going to be stupid and not read anything. Then I won't be held responsible for it. Too late. You already know in our culture, in our age, you already know more than all the histories before. All, all history, all, all other generations, you already know more. This is the knowing generation. You're already held responsible, so shouldn't you really press into, I better know what I'm responsible for? So slow down in your reading. If you can't get through a whole chapter because you've slowly been chewing on that, let it sink in, bring it back up again, meditate on it. Meditate in our culture has become a, oh, you know, don't do that. Don't meditate. Well, Eastern, you know, religions and all these new age, they meditate to empty themselves. The original word here, meditate, is to fill yourself with the word. Fill yourself with the word. So to meditate means that you continually chew on it, ponder it, bring it over and over again. What are you trying to say, Lord? How does that apply to me, Lord? How does that apply to me? How do I walk that out, Lord? 
I think we have a fractured understanding of the scriptures, which just limits our knowing who he is. Or who he is in us. Or what he's called us to do. We've created a purposeless generation. I mean, that's why suicide is so, uh, rates are so high right now. They feel like they're without purpose. Why? Because they have no understanding. They don't know. No one's told them that they were created with a purpose. That God laid out plan for their life even before they were born. That's our job. We're not meditating. It says teach it. They were talking. He says talk to your children about it. Always be talking about wherever you go. People are listening. I love going to a restaurant or sitting over coffee and I don't talk loud so everybody hears me and how holy I am, but I just talk. I was having lunch with uh, my parents one day up at, I think it was Maddie's. Um, And, you know, big long story, real short. I was just explaining to them how I had run into this person who um, told me that everybody who has a tattoo is going to hell. I don't know if you know me. I've got a few of them. And I went, really? Everybody's going to hell that hasn't? Oh, yeah, and I can prove it to you in the Bible. I said, you, you know, you can make the words say whatever you want to say. I said, but if you read it in context, Read it in context. Find out who they were reading it to. Why they were saying that. That you'll get a deeper understanding of what's really trying to be said. I said, do you really believe, just laying it out in the nature of God, that me drawing on my body would doom me to hell for all eternity? I can't find that anywhere in the Word of God. I can find that we are supposed to be living epistles known and read by all men. Now, if you want to argue, I'll argue with you. You know, I've written all over myself to be read by all men. No, stop it. Anyway, <laughs> stop. So I'm talking to my mom and dad, not arguing, not, I was just, my heart was hurt. This person was actually going on spring break to Florida to witness on the beaches but if they ran across anybody who had tattoos I said what are you going to say to them well I'm not even going to talk to them because they're already doomed to hell and so I was my heart was breaking I was trying to talk to my parents and my sister about the situation that I'm just you know grieved inside of me and you know my heart's breaking why would we do that and you know and so we need to pray for this person that they get a revelation You know, that all are precious in his sight. Red and yellow, black and white. Right? He loves us all. And if he cared about what I looked like, he wouldn't have picked me up in the first place. I don't know about you, but one eye goes this way, fingers all go all over the place. And anyway, I was dirty, messed up, and, you know, stinky. Anyway, while I'm sharing this with my mom and dad, this waitress comes over crying. And says, I've been listening to you. And I had somebody come up to me and tell me I was doomed to hell because I was at the beach one time, had her bathing suit on, and her one side she had tattooed the serenity prayer. She's not even a Christian. And this person comes up to him and says, you know, you're doomed to hell because you, you marked up your body. And the Bible says, blah, 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 blah. 
And she goes, after listening to you, I hear that there's still hope for me. That's why we're supposed to be talking about the word, devoted to the word, talking about the word. Bring it up everywhere. If you're not speaking God's goodness, what is it? it doesn't say the judgment of God will lead people to salvation. It says the goodness of God, his love. I mean, come on, we know this as parents. Something staticky right there. Step around it. Right? It's the love that draws them to be sorrowful and repentant. Right? It's not the judgment. It's the love of God that leads people to repentance. So be talking about the goodness. He wants to see us blessed. He wants to see us prosperous. He wants to hear it in our voice. Wherever we go, be talking about it. Be bringing it up. It's our responsibility to make this truth, this mystery of God's love and goodness, plain to everyone. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Lots of scriptures. I'm sorry we're going to be looking at one. I am sorry. Sorry, not sorry. That's probably a phrase that's gone already. I'm so old, right? He's... Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 23, says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Fellowship together. In, they were in each other's home. They were doing life together. They developed real relationships. Real relationships are developed face to face. Face to face. you, but I don't know you. You can't develop a real relationship just on Sunday. They were doing life together. It's, you know, all of our earthly relationships, earth itself, creation itself, God says, look and you'll find me in them. Why? Because he gives us physical models of spiritual truths. So you want to see what real fellowship is face-to-face, -face, that he wants us to have koinonia, which is into me and into you, that fellowship. Try only seeing your spouse once a week for an hour and a half and see how long your relationship lasts. And you can't just say, oh, I know them because I, I checked the top three posts on their Facebook. 
You know about them. You don't know them. I know my family's laughing because when they give me the, you know, top 10 highlights of what's going on in people's lives, I'm like, did you talk to them? Did you call them? Did they call you? Well, no, I saw it on Facebook. Don't tell me you saw it on Facebook. Or if you want to use Facebook, that's wonderful. But it should, it should cause you to call them then. Reach out to them. You know, if you're here, they're going through a bad time because for some reason they posted it on Facebook. They're actually wanting somebody to reach out to them. Call them. You know, that, that weird thing that you only use for this also does this. Pick right up to your ear. And you, you can use your mouth and call and talk to people. I don't like talking on the phone. I'll just be honest. I really don't. Um, so I'll probably shoot a text a lot faster than I will pick up a phone call. But I, but I know who I'm... But I know, are you a text person or are you a phone person? So if I feel I'm not going to text somebody I know as a phone person, like Deborah and Pastor Neil will constantly say, I just wanted to hear your voice. I just wanted to talk to you. Okay. But fellowship, together, face-to-face -face relationships, that's what the body, the original body, original church was designed to be a place for. That's why we're going to be um, launching family game nights. So every so often, every couple months, we'll say family game night coming up, bring some food, because don't we all need more food? Hey, they ate together. It's in the Bible. Need to eat. Cook it and they will come. That must be command number 11, right? But family game nights. Bring your games. Bring your cards. Yes, we're going to have euchre tournaments. Because I like euchre. Pastor Neil does too. A lot of, actually, I, all these people started, I like you, I like you. Okay, we're having euchre, euchre tournaments. Um, and there must be a trophy. You know how I am about trophies. I want to win something. want to win something. Giddy up. That was the word of the Lord for today. A chocolate trophy, I heard. Milk chocolate filled with peanut butter. Giddy up. I'm in. The next one is that they devoted themselves to communion. Now, yes, communion is at that we do the first Sunday of every month with the little bread and the little juice that we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. He, he did that with, uh, he, he uh, ordained that, he started that with at the Last Supper that do this in remembrance of me. Every time you drink this, every time you take this, remember me. Remember the great sacrifice. Not just that we can, like a memorial service, but so that we are, let me break the word down and, and then you'll understand. Communion means common union. Common union. So we have common union with Christ. The sacrifice that he made, everything that he purchased through his sacrifice, we have common union with that. We'll understand that his blood was shed for the remission of sins, for the wiping away of, the canceling of all sins. That we have been healed through the blood his sacrifice, that we have redemption, we have a, a new relationship, a restorated or restored, restorated, you like that word? That was some good English there. Restored relationship with God. You know, he, that's that common union.
but that communion is also with each other. Communion. That was Jesus' prayer in the garden, was that we would be one. He said, he was talking to his father, Father, I pray for all believers everywhere that they would be one as we are one, as I am in you, Father, and you are in me, that they would be in me and us and them and him and you and me and we would common union, that the body would have common union with each other and with Christ. The body in itself, I want to make sure I'm not getting ahead of myself, I can talk about it here. That common union is that body. It says that we are all members of one body. Christ's body. The church is Christ's body. And Jesus Christ is the head of the body, the church. Well, here, let's read it. And then I'll talk about it. Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 11. Yeah. It says, It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Common union. Think about it. Again, physical uh, examples of spiritual truths. He gives us a body, right? That all, all the different parts of it move together. This big gray matter up here tells the different parts, right, to do. What? Yeah, what to do, right? He says, just as you have a physical body, the church is my body. As they come together in common union... Supporting ligaments, everyone doing its part. Jesus as the head, give you the instructions on what to do. You move together in unity. He says, I'll not only give you um, the strength to do what I'm commanding you to do. I'm going to give you the will and the desire and everything you need to fulfill everything I call you to do. Well, how do we do that? We stay plugged into the body. See, but it's a convenience of these days where you hear people say, oh, I don't need to go to church. I am the church. Has anybody ever heard that? Yeah, okay. Way more than we'd like to admit. Uh, let's clear the air over that one. 
like I tried to use the example a few weeks ago, and I'll torture the example again today. If you're a Transformers, you know, guru, thank you. Um, have mercy on me. Um, but when my boys were growing up and Transformers were on the TV, mamas can't help but watch what the kids are watching, right? So I was watching and I noticed all these Transformers had all these strengths and different things that they could do all on their own. Um, but then every once in a while, they all like came together and then made this like great big one, you know, and then all of a sudden it was super something, you know, and it could do super things. Okay. Thank you for the grace and mercy for me to sound like that. But it's the same with the body of Christ. This church, our church here, I don't want to say we specialize in, but we know without a doubt our call is to be a life-saving station, almost like a hospital, a harbor, a hospital, where we, you know, like a big lighthouse, we send out, we build, you know, equip and train, and we send you out in these rowboats to go and rescue and bring them back in, the dirty, broken, hurting, and we'll build them up and heal them, give them hope and healing, and then put them in a lifeboat and get them out, right? Well, there's another church down the road that, you know, their, you know, superpower strength, if you will, is teaching. Like, they are like, whoa, teachers, pastors, you know, evangelists, they, they, that's their thing. So all the churches all have, yeah, different gifts, different ministry, if you will. But when we have that common union, we come together and form the body of Christ. So when somebody says to you, I don't have to go to church, I'm part of the corporate or the universal body of Christ, that don't even make sense. How can you be part of a body you're not connected to? You have to start by being connected to the local church because it's the local churches that all make up the body of Christ. Anyway, off my soapbox, getting down. But it's the common union with Christ and common union with each other. That's the communion they're talking about. They're devoted to prayer and fasting. I threw fasting in there, and even though you're like, I didn't, I didn't read fasting in my translation. Well, it's in there. Because when Jesus was teaching his disciples, he says, when you pray and when you fast. Praying and fasting go together. As a matter of fact, when he told them, um, when they were trying to drive out that little uh, unclean spirit and that little boy, and they're like, why couldn't we do it? He says, he says, why? This kind comes out by prayer and fasting. What was he talking about? The unbelief that they had. When you keep yourself in a lifestyle of fasting, and I'll jump back to it. Just When you keep yourself in a lifestyle of prayer and fasting, it keeps you in and prepared at all times. You don't have to come face to face with whatever, you know, extreme condition that happened in your life or in your family or, or you're trying to pray and now I'm going to fast. It should be a lifestyle of. That's what he was trying to teach them. You'll get that unbelief out of you with a continual lifestyle of prayer and fasting. Now, fasting, so I'll jump back on. There's a soapbox on this side, too. Fasting, just going without food, is not fasting. That's called dieting. Just going without food, oh, 
you might drop a pound or two, which we all could lose. But fasting is replacing whatever you're fasting, whatever you're going to go without, with time with God. So if you're fasting food, which there is, I could, you know, preach for hours just on the physical healing that your body will undergo, if you should say, by just fasting on a regular basis. Your body was designed to, I have to be careful saying this, bless the little children. It's okay. Um, your body was designed to heal itself. But when we partake of a bunch of junk and chemicals and all this other different stuff, it starts fighting with itself. <laughs> Times of fasting actually realigns the body and the chemical imbalances and, and, real, and realigns them. So besides physical, it's also spiritually because we replace what we're fasting with time with God. That being said, they were devoted to prayer and fasting. Prayer is for yourself, prayer is for other believers, and prayer is for the salvation of the world. Prayer for yourself, um, it might do you well at times to put down your prayer list and just set with God. Because it's him in you, you in him, it's time. He says, I, I've like a, like a hen wants to gather her little chicks under her wings and just hold them tight. God says, that's how I feel about you. Oh, sometimes we're running around like chickens with our heads cut off so much, busy doing this, 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 and this. We don't have time to pray. He said, I just want to hug you. I just want to hold you. I just want you to spend time with me. So just setting quietly. Statistics came out 2018, last year, that the average full-time employed adult spends five, it's either 5.2 or 5.7 hours a day watching TV. A day. And you ain't got no time to pray? Just turn that off for, I don't know, an hour and just sit there. And if you're anything like me, you might need to sit there longer because half the time you'll be thinking about your to-do list, what you got to do, where you got to go, right? No, just sit there, just sitting here, just sitting. And I whisper out every once in a while, God, I'm just sitting here in your presence, just sitting here, like Amy said in worship, that wait upon the Lord and he'll renew your strength. I mean, come on, am I the only one that the last couple days seemed like a whirlwind? We had so much to pack into a couple days. Um, I, I, I stood in Walmart, and I, Brian's like, looks at me like, what are you doing? I said, I just need time to think a second. Just going to stand here. I mean, my phone kept blowing up on me. He's asking me to do this. We got to hurry up because the clock is ticking down. And I said, just give me a second here. Why? Because I can't even think straight. When, you, when you're going 100 miles an hour, you need time to just be renewed, refreshed. Prayer for yourself. Prayer for others. Do you know the Bible says that, that we are, is another word for urged. We, we're compelled. I'm compelling you, please, to pray for each other. 
But confess to each other. Why? Because that gets pride out of the way. Let me just tell you that. That gets pride out of the way. Confess to each other. You know, if you have sins or whatever, pray for each other. He said, the promise is, then you will be healed. We need to intercede for each other. Not toss out some token, oh, I'll pray for you. Don't we say that? Or some emoji, you know, prayer hands, right? And not pray for him. Because let me just tell you, probably nine times out of ten, you're not going to pray for him later. So just stop and pray for him then. I mean, Pastor Neil keeps me back on my heels because I'd be talking to him and next thing I know, he's praying for that. And I didn't even know it was, oh, we're praying, you know. He's just good. He lives that way. He probably realizes at his age he needs to pray now because he might not remember later, right? <laughs> I'll come over here. But that's all of us. We'll forget, won't we? Just stop and pray for him then. And you know what? The intercession, the, that prayer that he's talking about, when praying for each other, is to pick up their request, their need, their problem, as if it was yours. And let me talk to mamas just for a minute. Here's one step further. Daddies, you probably feel the same way. But I've got a, I'm a mama, if you didn't know. I'm a grandma. Pick it up as if it was your own is good. But what's even better is as if that was your child. Because that's a whole different ball game when you're talking about my child instead of just, hey, would you pray for so-and-so that's going through blah, blah, blah. Pick it up as if that was your child going through that. Because let me just remind you, we are all God's children. Those out in the world, which is a third responsibility we have for praying is praying for the salvation of the world. They're just as much a child as you are a child of God. It's not the haves and the have-nots again, okay? So they just haven't heard yet. I, I like saying the, the not-yet believers. Why? Because we'll all, it says, the Revelation, it says that we'll all stand before God. That we'll all bow a knee and we'll all call him Lord. We just need to get them to do that before the judgment seat. Acknowledge him. And it's our responsibility to pray for the salvation of the world. And then when you stay in this, this prayer, fasting in him, he gets all over you. So that wherever you go, you carry him like um, Grandpa Chuck at, at church when I was growing up. Always had such strong cologne. And then he really liked anointing oil. And so his hands was always covered in anointing oil. And he was a hugger. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's Grandpa Chuck. I'm going this way, you know. But So when you left him the rest of the day, you're like, what's that smell? Oh, Grandpa Chuck. Well, that's how it is with God. That when we stay in prayer, when we stay in a lifestyle of fasting and prayer, that we carry his fragrance wherever we go. So we don't even have to say anything. I mean, it's said of history that these evangelists would, would be on a train driving through a city and revival would break out. 
Instead of one of them that he walked into a factory just to get a tour of a factory and people started falling out in the spirit and crying and repenting and coming up to him and asking him, what can we, what should we do? He didn't have to say anything. It's called presence evangelism, if you will. Why? Because you carry God wherever you go. That's a common union. God with you. And then giving. And let me look, show you that last scripture. Acts chapter 4 gives a, another look at the early church, the original church. Acts chapter 4. Verse 32. It says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. They shared everything. There was no needy person among them, because they were, they had such fellowship. They were doing life together in such a way that they would hear, oh, Sue, you have, oh, well, hey, Joe, you have, hey, Joe, give to Sue, because Sue need. They took care of each other. But again, convenience, and I'm not preaching against convenience. I love convenience, okay? I do. Not preaching against it. But I think it's made us um, lethargic lazy and complacent and our diligence and our our command to be part of the body and actively be in each other's lives and that supporting ligament so to be uh, writing a check or dropping some money in the offering and then when you hear of a need just tell them call the church call the church call the church um, it is not the original design. When we're doing life together, there's no needy among them, not because we put out our arms and say, sorry, if you have a need, you're not welcome here. It's because we'll take care of it. Because if, it, if it's in your power to do something, to help somebody, do it. Help them. And back on the soapbox for a minute, if you're... No, back up. Be good. I'm being good. I hear... Oh, Nellie, be careful how I say this. <clears throat> yes, there is at times God will tap you on the shoulder, drop a nugget of knowledge inside your mind that you don't know why, but you feel compelled that I need to go give so-and-so such-and-such. And you do it, and you find out later they were just praying for that, and you were God's answer to their prayer. Yay, God. Love it when that happens. But for you to fall back upon that every time and say, well, I've left the church because they don't care about me because I had needs I was praying for and they never came and met it. And if they were godly enough, they would have known. Like we're supposed to read everybody's mind. Kind of like women, I know you've never been mad at your husband because he didn't know what he should do. I don't have to tell him, he should just know. No, he won't know. Just tell him. 
And let me tell you that it is very humbling to admit you have a need. That's why life groups, smaller groups, these groups that met in their homes together, it was a lot easier to be sitting with friends and saying, hey, I'm going through, got a shut-off notice, or this is going on, I need money for this, than it is for you to stand up in the middle of the church or to call the church office. But for you to say, well, they should just know, it's just not fair. It takes pride out of the man when we have to be transparent with each other. I think it's just another form of pride where you won't ask. You have not because you ask not. There's nothing wrong with asking. Now, if you're always asking... I got a different prayer for you. The word said if you want to be successful and prosperous. All right. 1 John 3.17 says, Let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. So the early church was devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the word. They were devoted to the word. Getting it in them, meditating on it, teaching it, talking about it, and doing it. Not just being a hearer of it, but then walk it out. Teach it, train it. Disciples, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. What? You need to teach them to obey, he said, everything I've taught you. But how can they obey if they haven't been taught? And the early model of a disciple was one who would, like Paul said, say, follow me as I follow Christ. Here, let me hold your hand and let's walk together. No, I don't have all the answers, but we're going after the one that does. So come on, let's go together. What are we going to do? Just what we know to do. Keep knowing, keep doing, keep knowing, keep doing. They were devoted to fellowship, to communion, the common union, to prayer, fasting, and to giving. And it was because of this devotion that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So let me just focus on life groups the last couple minutes that I have. This year, all the life groups are going to be centered around reading the Bible in order to develop this simple reading technique, which uh, Pastor Neil and Pastor Denny and myself, and we had Missy set with us and uh, uh, Deborah set with us. Um, oh, Deborah was, yes. Anyway. Anyway, I'm not going there. But we, we put together this simple technique for reading the Bible, and we called it read, Reading to Know, K-N-O-W. Reading to Know. Uh, my God, my Savior, my friend, and my mission. The why we read. Why do we read? It's not just to acquire knowledge and go around and quote scriptures and be able to, you know, I hope you're impressed by all the scriptures I know. No, but that we're living what we're reading and we're reading to get to know God better, our Savior, Jesus better, the Holy Spirit, our friend, our partner, our our guide, our teacher. 
and our mission, what we're called to do, because we'll have to give an account for that. And this, in this simple reading plan, it gives you a little do's and don'ts. And every week in the life groups, before they start reading, they'll go through this to remind themselves. That's right, we're setting aside commentaries. We're setting aside all these study notes and helps and extra resources. Those are good for at home. But when we come together, we're going to ask Holy Spirit talk to us while we're reading. We're not going to just try to read to get through a chapter and check off the box. There we did that and then we all walk away scratching our head you know or forgetting. But we're slowing down enough so you might only get through one verse. You might only get through two verses. I've got an example but I ran out of time where two verses can go on forever. Why? Because you keep he's he's showing you look at look at well like the word I um, communion common union to take time and what are you trying to say otherwise we could have just brushed over that scripture right then right and think oh that only means communion that thing that we do once a month but we slowed down enough to get into what does it really mean what what's he trying to say in the context of the scripture and it's not any we prepared and we're we have, you know theologians who's going to help guide you through that no we're just simple believers who are going to dig into the word chew a little bit meditate on it bring back let's talk about it and let's line it up we know that he's talking about common union because throughout the entire Bible, he's talking about a body that comes together with one heart, one mind, to be the body of Christ. Common union. But we've put together this simple reading to know, take this home even, but also in the life groups. So when you read that you do this... So what, what we're doing, like I said, we're reading to know, and we're putting the simple guide together so that we're not just hearing, we're doers. Hearing and doing. So you're going to end every life group with, uh, okay, now, you know, whether it's one verse, two verses, ten verses, what did we learn? What can we walk out this week? Because we have to be doers of the word. That's when we'll see that the promise of becoming successful, prosperous. And again, I'm not talking about money only. Because it's in here. That you'll get along well as your soul prospers. As your soul is successful. Where, where are we doing life groups? Uh, there will be some in some people's homes, but I want the majority of them to be in public places. Because where does the light shine the brightest? Yeah. And, you know, you might be having a cup of coffee and you might be reading a couple verses and there's people listening all around. Now, please don't go, Thus says this the Lord! Just because you want everybody to hear you, you know. If you do, tell them from, you're from somebody else's church, okay? But, church town. No. Uh, but just authentic. Talking about it. People are always listening. In public places. And it's less intimidating. Because this is the why, and that's the next one. Uh, why are we doing this? Why do you want us to do these life groups, these simple Bible reading out in public places or in homes or what? Why are we doing life groups for the one? 
one more. If you could just focus on reaching one for this next three months, six months, year, one. Do you know, look around. If there was one more person sitting beside everybody, and it's not about numbers so we can be all in it, but it is about one number that torments me every night while I sleep, but it fuels me every day to keep going. And it's that 85% unchurched in Benzie County. I'm not okay with that. And my goal, my, my mission, my passion is that we would be us here would be the ones that stand up and say I'll do it Lord the devoted to the original church design design that turns that 85% unchurched upside down so that Benzie County for some miracles they're reporting in statistics that has now for some reason become 85% church the why so who here they are? These are five that, that stepped up right away, and um, but they aren't the all in all. Five groups, um, so different um, ages. Uh, there's one just for women, um, youth, uh, young adults, um, old folks. No, I'm sorry. Um, some with coffee. I like coffee. Um, so there are some, but then there's also a sign up out there that says interested, which means I looked and, you know, the days don't line up, the time doesn't line up, the demographic doesn't line up, but I am interested. Fill your name out there. Name, contact information, and a couple days and times, and we will come to you. Even if it's just a staff member and yourself and one friend, you know, or maybe just you for a while and then we find you a friend. Do you need a friend? We'll find you a friend. We'll pull our table up closer to somebody else's table, right? Hey, will you be my friend? is Pastor Denny, Pastor Neil, Deborah, myself, we'll come to your life group and we'll lead the first week or the first couple weeks just to help you walk out this simple technique because it's not complicated. We're trying to push complicated out of the way and just simply read. So one of the, one of the do's is please pick a, um, a book of the Bible in the New Testament, um, a small book of the Bible in the New Testament because it, it helps if you're going to find that I used to be able to read three chapters, you know, in an hour. Now you're reading three verses in an hour, you know. So uh, smaller ones easier. But here it is. There's the life groups that are starting out, but um, more is coming. Um, so if you would, would you stand? I know I went a little, a, a little long, but I'm just getting you primed for that one service time where there will be no holds and no time limits anymore, right? Nobody's even bucking that anymore. I love it. Oh, none of you are, you are all stretching. Said I'm just preparing you for the one service where there will not be any time limit restraints anymore, right? You're all excited for that. Okay, we'll see how that goes. 